Good morning. I really appreciate Johnny's introduction. I can't dunk, just in case you were wondering about that. I can't shoot threes. So we'll determine how this goes. <laughs> no, it is good to be here with you. My name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor of discipleship here. Uh, and so I'm just going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Psalm 46. We're going to be in Psalm 46 this morning. I'm going to read that, and then we're going to pray and get after it. I love hearing your pages turn. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. Father, thank You that as we sang earlier, You have no equal. You have no rival. There is no th nothing in all of create the created order that can stay Your hand or question Your authority. And thank You that that truth helps us to be calm and confident as we read these words of Psalm 46 that You're our refuge, our strength, and ever-present help in time of trouble. And God, as we face down the mission You've called us to, as a church, to make disciples that um, You, God, would help us to rely on You as our strength and our very present help in times of trouble, when things get hard and difficult. We love you, and it's in your Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's a song we sing here at First Baptist Church called Ocho Church Arise, and it's one of my favorite new songs or new hymns that we sing, and my favorite part in that song, or my favorite line, is actually the first one that, that we sing. It's, O Church Arise, O Church Stand Up, Put on your armor and hear the call of Christ our captain. So, like when we, do, we sing that, and I'm down here in the front row, I'm gonna start marching and saluting and just get really excited. And um, I have to remember I can get fired now for this stuff, so uh, I'll try and behave. Um, but no, I really wanna get, it just gets me excited to hear yes, oh church, stand up. Stand up. Put on your armor and hear the call of our captain, Jesus Christ, because he has given us a mission to accomplish while we're here. 
And the great thing about it is that you and I, we don't have to guess what it is. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to determine. We can go straight through His Word and see what God, Jesus Christ, wants us to be doing as His bride in this church, in our community, and to the ends of the earth. You probably, some of you probably know where I'm going to go with this. Matthew chapter 28. Uh, you have probably have a little heading in some of your Bibles that says the Great Commission, but this is what Jesus says to His disciples. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, church, arise, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. That's Jesus Christ telling us, I am with you always to the end of the age. There it is, plain and simple. We don't have to guess. Church, what I want you to do is make disciples. Our church mission mission statement reflects this. You can see it on our website. We want to connect people to Jesus by making disciples who make disciples. Now, before we get all too rah, rah, rah in here, I want to just we can understand that that can feel like such a daunting task, right? Because if you're like me, you look outside of these walls, you look out in society, or you look within your homes, you look globally, we can see that there's so much in direct opposition to, antagonistic to, the mission that we have been given as a church. If you think globally, the church right now, China, just think of China being persecuted, pastors and family that go worship together in church being arrested and taken to to re-education camps. Just in our home, in our own neck of the woods, we have an opioid crisis right in our very backyard that has touched some of your families very deeply. It's taking away lives and it's destroying lives. And then there's always just that simple indifference to the message of the gospel. And I sometimes think, you know, given the monumental task that God has given us, take the message, the gospel, make disciples of all nations, and that includes us here in our community and to the ends of the earth. I look at myself in the mirror and I say to my captain, have you met me? Like, seriously, do you know who I am? Like, I'm inarticulate. I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree. All these types of things and all these excuses that can well up inside of me to run away from that call. Now, if we think about it corporately, uh, let's just speak church in general. Here, this little ward church up against this massive world that seems diametrically opposed again to what God has called us to do. And then let's be more specific, First Baptist Church. Here we are placed in this community called to make disciples. And so with all that opposition outside of us, all of that trouble that seems opposed to what we want to do, we can cower in fear, make excuses, or we can turn to Psalm 46. So why don't we do that? Let's turn to Psalm 46. 
We'll get there in a second, but I do want to say this. Um, we sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, this morning. And Martin Luther, this song was penned based on Psalm 46. It was called the Battle Hymn of the Reformation. It stood the test of time. The church has sing, sung it for many years. It's going to sing long after we're gone. But he captures the essence of, in, in these words, the meaning of Psalm 46. And I'm just going to read them to you right now. Some of them, not all of them. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? Thus ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, or Lord of Armies, is His name from age to age the same, and He must win this battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear Excuse me. For God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure. For lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fail Him. And with, this, with those words, He captures the, the idea, the main thrust of what Psalm 46 is about. And we can see the main idea in verse 1. And then in verse, the refrain that's repeated in verse 7 and 11. So let's look at those. Read those real quick. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, our protection, the shelter we want to. And then the poem, the song is framed. Or, or ended with the repeat of verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This was a song that the nation of Israel could sing as a song of victory when they had seen God act on their behalf and defeat their enemies. We'll see that here in a few minutes. But also, this is a song that is for us also that you and I can sing when we know and trust and have confidence that in the midst of the opposition, in the midst of, uh, of the chaos and trouble that seems to be coming our way, we can say with calm confidence that the Lord is with us. And that the God of Jacob is our fortress. He's our protection against opposition. So let's jump into the text. We're going to work our way down. I actually have three points this morning. And we're totally skipping the second one. I can do that. So we're just going to do points one. And maybe I'll touch on verses four uh, if we have time. So let's walk through the text starting in verse one. God is our refuge and strength. So he's our, very, he's our refuge of strength, very present help in time of trouble. So when there's trouble for God's people, He is described as our refuge, the one we run to. When there's difficulty and you need protection, you run to a refuge. Not only is He our refuge, look what else He is. He's our strength. So when we are weak, we're called to action, and we feel like we are weak, that we rely on our own strength. No, we find the strength of our God. So God is our refuge. God is our strength. 
And then the next phrase, a very present help, or another way to understand that is a well-proven help in times of trouble. The people of Israel could sing this with confidence because God had been faithful to them, a very well-proven help to them in times of trouble. Just think about them, one of the most popular stories in the Bible, the story of the Exodus, where God's people were called out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and Pharaoh's armies hightailing it after them, go through the Red Sea. What happens to Pharaoh's army? God protected his people. So they could very easily sing, God is our refuge, God is our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. Now look at the next word, therefore. Therefore. So what he just said about God's character being our refuge, our strength, our very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we as God's people will not fear. So because of who God is, because he's our refuge, he's our strength, he's our help in times of trouble, we will not fear. So there's a fearlessness about us as a church, not because of anything inside of us, not because of how great we are, but because of who was just described in verse 1. God is our refuge, strength, and very present help in times of trouble. Now, before we puff our chests out too far, let's look at this. Because they're about to go worst case scenario. I always make fun of people like this. Like, you know, there's a thunderstorm warning. Oh my gosh, there's going to be tornadoes and disasters. Like, the, the psalmist is about to go worst case scenario on us. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Do you see what he's saying is happening here in this poem, in this song? Though the earth gives way. So the earth is giving way. How's it doing that? The mountains are being moved into the heart of the sea. So the mighty mountains, oh, Andes, uh, whatever that you see, are going to be moving into the heart of the sea. If you're a student of the Bible, you can think back to creation, the creation story where God set, or rather, I'm sorry, not set, but separated the land from the sea. And now here the poem is, saying it's being reversed the mountains are being set into the heart of the sea now uh, we probably have a little better understanding of nature than they did but i don't think that really matters when you describe it this way because i don't care if you live in ancient israel or you live in newcastle in 2019 the mountains are being moved into the heart of the sea things aren't going well okay you're gonna be a little scared <laughs> Things are not going well. But look at this. Look at this. I want you to notice something. Look at verse 3. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So the mountains are trembling at the swelling of the sea. But guess who doesn't fear? We already talked about this in verse 2. God's people. So all this chaos, cataclysmic catastrophe is happening all around and the people can sing with confidence, we 
will not fear. There's a story in Isaiah chapter 36 and 37 that some people believe is, some commentators believe that that's the background for this psalm. We're not sure, but it seems like it's the most likely. And I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. The Assyrian army was the bad boys on the block at the time. They were the powerful, mighty army. And they had come down uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, were standing outside the city. And now there were city walls that protected cities at that time. And so um, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, sent one of his royal armies or military officers to stand outside and mock the people of God. Like, hey, we're coming to get you. Let me ask you this question, uh, people, Jewish people. In whom do you trust now? Because can you imagine being inside of those walls and there's no bowing up in strength. There's no taking these people on in and of yourselves. They will smack you around. And listen to what the, the, um, the military officer says. This is gross. No, okay, just listen. <laughs> Has my master sent me to speak these words to your master and to you and not to the men sitting on the wall who are doomed with you to eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Things are going to get so bad for you that you're going to need to find your meals in your outhouses. He was saying these things so loud so that the people's hearts would melt. And then he goes on to say, don't let Hezekiah, your king, make you trust in the Lord by saying the Lord will surely deliver us. And here's what the Lord's words were to Isaiah the prophet to speak. Therefore, says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast upon a siege mount against it and he shall not come into this city declares the lord for i will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant david that's exactly what he did because they got up the next morning and the angel of the lord had slaughtered 185,000 assyrians god is their refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. So when there's trouble and opposition outside of the walls, we don't turn into ourselves. We look to the one who is our strength, who is our help in times of trouble. God is a very, Act is very and a very active presence with his people. Now, obviously, we're using extreme. We still good? Extreme examples. Um, we're not praying for 185,000 people to be slaughtered. We clear on that? Okay, good, 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 good. But the point is to look and see when things look like they're stacked against God's people. He stands up and uses them and strengthens them and protects them. 
Derek Kidner commented on these verses. He said this, Until recently, when man has few thoughts to spare for the possibility of a world catastrophe, but this psalm can face it unafraid because it, its opening phrase means exactly what it says. Our true security, our true strength is in God, not in God plus anything else. It's not in our ingenuity. It's not in our talent. It's not, definitely not in our coolness. Our strength is in God Himself. The One who is very active amongst us. So one, God is an active presence with His people. And I am going to skip point two. Let's go to the second point. Or rather, the third point. So let's skip down to verse 8. Let's skip down to verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. If I can find it. Come behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. And yes, you read that right. Come, behold, look at what God has done, the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. So He has come, He's brought desolations on the earth. Look at verse 9. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. How does He make wars cease to the ends of the earth? He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He had done that throughout Israel's history. We just read about that or heard about that in Isaiah 36 and 37. That God, and we can think about this even in terms of an eschatological or future, that there's going to come a time where God makes all wars cease. He's going to rid the e world of all the evil that's going to come. And there's going to be no arguing with him. Absolutely no arguing with him. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease. Now I want to talk about verse 10. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to make some of you mad here in a second. How many of you, most people know, maybe don't know Psalm 46, but have heard or seen, be still and know that I am God? And let me paint a little picture for you real quick. So here it is. Here's what it usually looks like. So we have a babbling brook flowing into an undisturbed lake, calm as glass. Two deer, a mom and her two fawns, frolicking ever so gently around this lake. Snow-capped mountains in the background. And these words whispered off the page. Be still and know that I am God. Anybody else ever see something similar to that? Okay, my kids love Johnny Cash. Amen? All right. And one of Johnny Cash's songs that he sings, as some other people recorded, is, You are my sunshine. You, know, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Please don't take my sunshine away. And mamas sing that to their sweet newborns, and guys trying to, don't ever do this, um, trying to uh, get a girl to date them, will sing that to them. I'm like, have you ever read the rest, or listened to the rest of the song? 
Because if you did, you would never, ever sing that to a baby or a child. She took it. She took that sunshine away. Just listen to the whole thing. And when I hear people quote this psalm like this, be still. And, like, it's, have you read the rest of it? This is not a quiet psalm. Think about where we've come from. The earth is giving away. Mountains are falling into the sea. We're talking about making wars cease. In fact, I will go as far as to say my understanding of this verse is it's not God talking to his people to be calm and be still. We've already established that back, back in verse 2. What this is, is the king sovereign of the universe speaking to these nations that are raging and making war. You stop fighting. Be still. And guess what? They listen. This is the powerful voice of the sovereign of the universe exercising his authority over all things. Like I said earlier, there is nothing in created order that can stay his hand or defy his authority. If you want to get a better understanding of what that looks like, just think about Jesus in Mark chapter 4. You guys all know this story where the, Jesus is on the boat with his disciples. He's on the boat and the wind and the waves begin to move and the wind and, the, and storms come up and um, they're all freaking out and Jesus is sleeping on the cushion and they wake him up and say, Jesus, we're about to perish. We're about to perish. Don't you care? And Jesus stands up and tells the wind and the wave, peace, be still, and there's calm. If you read the end of that chapter 5, just this other thing, you see Jesus' authority as he speaks words over enemies, over things that cause trouble. There's a little girl who died. She's laying there, and Jesus takes her by the hand and says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And death listens. But here's the, the, the thing. Natural disasters and um, even death, it's, it's, it is our greatest, it's one of our greatest enemies, but on the spe spectacular those words of Jesus are, the greatest words that Jesus spoke that defeated our enemies, where he exercised his authority and defeated our enemies on our behalf, was when he was hanging on the cross and he said, it is finished. And it's that point where the power of sin was broken, death was defeated, and three days later he rose again. <coughs> and it's that gospel message that we have been commissioned to take here into the ends of the earth. Now let's get a little real talk on here for just a second. Because it can be hard, it can be discouraging, we know that. Rico Tice has an evangelism curriculum out called Christianity Explored. You'll be hearing more about that soon. Uh, but in it he has a section 
that I was glancing through this week, and it, there was a, it was called Getting Our Expectations Right. So let's just thank the call of our captain, make disciples. And uh, he says, get your expectations right. He says this, Jesus was the most brilliant teacher who ever lived. Nevertheless, a glance through Mark chapter 3 reminds us that those in authority wanted him dead. I was reading through John, I'm reading through John with my children, and um, we came to a point where Jesus was being opposed, and my little girl was like, wait a second, there's people who didn't like Jesus? And, you know, innocence starting to, you know, be stripped away. The public were often more interested in his miracles than in his teaching. One of his followers would eventually betray him. In his own family, his own family thought he was out of his mind. Many religious people thought that he was evil. So if Christ was, and as we, he said, persecuted, we should expect it also. Jesus said, in this world you'll find trouble. But here's what Rico Tice goes on to say. He says, these, expect three things. One, expect disappointment. Expect disappointment. Expect delay. It will take time. But then he says this. Expect dramatic results. Expect dramatic results. And so that's a question we need to ask ourselves. Do we expect dramatic results as we take the message to see disciples be made, given all that Psalm 46 has said, and we could make this about Christ. Jesus, he's our refuge. Jesus is our strength. He's our very present help in trouble. We just celebrated Emmanuel, God with us, doesn't ignore but enters into our society. Verse 4, he's a stream that makes glad the people of God. He has come and behold his works. He breaks uh, he's brought desolations on the earth. He can make wars cease by the, his very voice. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He speaks, be still. Jesus says, be still. Know that I am God. Why? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. My dear friends, do we expect dramatic results. If he can break the bow and shatter the spear, he can break the hardest of hearts with the message of the gospel. He can shatter the disillusionment of the indifferent and awaken them to the beauty of Jesus Christ and their need for repentance. Let's as a church expect dramatic results because he rules and reigns over everything. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And that we find that culminated in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This Jesus who we are to make disciples of. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb. Every knee is going to bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, oh, church, church, arise. Let's put our armor on and hear the call of our captain to go and make disciples. And as we do that, we can sing with gusto the words of Martin Luther. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you have called us to take the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, here and to the ends of the earth. And so, God, I want to pray first that you'd be raising up young people in this church who would be willing to take the name of your son, the places where he is not yet worshipped and named. And God, I also pray for us as a church that you would give us the courage and the fearlessness, even in the midst of disappointment, even as we have to wait impatiently. Help us to expect dramatic results, not because of us, not because of us, but because of who you are. And then our cry of our hearts will be not to us, God, not to us, but to your name be glory. Amen. Amen.